Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. On episode 12 of the Green Street Hammers podcast, we're back and we start with a review of the predictable Man City loss, do some Hammers fill in the blanks and Twitter questions before previewing the Newcastle game. Keep it locked on the Green Street Hammers podcast. All right, welcome to the Green Street Hammers podcast here. We are back with another episode uh, we are an, uh, one game out from an international break, and it was not one we were really all that excited about coming back from just because Man City was waiting for us. I should introduce the fellows here. No Scott today, but we do have Jeremiah and Jeff. Guys, how are we doing on this 12th episode of the Green Street Hammers podcast? Doing, doing well. All right, perfect, perfect. So we, we have um, we have a, a string of, quote, winnable games ahead of us here. But before we jump into those, like everyone keeps mentioning, um, let's let's – not dwell, but let's look back and see what uh, see what we think about that Manchester City game that happened. I, it wasn't pretty, but was it predictable, Jeff? What do you think about that? Well, I think it was. And since I my match prediction last week called for a Man City 3-1 to one victory, and that's basically what it was until that garbage time fourth goal there in the dying seconds, that's what we had. So I think it was totally predictable. I think the part that wasn't predictable was the tactics that Manuel Pellegrini went into the match with. And I think um, that, to me, is something that should be examined and, and in, in my opinion, be applauded. And I've seen some people on Twitter questioning this after the fact that we we really went into this game and he went into this game with the tactics set up that we were going to go for it. And I think some people were saying, oh, that's just asinine and it's subterfuge and he should be fired on the spot for heading into a game like this because it always is going to end up with the with the result result that we had. And I thought about that for a second, and, and I, I totally disagree with that for a couple reasons. One, I think this early in his tenure, the team shows absolutely zero signs of quitting under Manuel Pellegrini or that he's had a, had a bad move really since the start of the season. This team has been very clear when they quit on Big Sam, and it was very clear when they lost respect and quit on Slavin Bilic. And I don't see that at all. And I, I tend to look at that in a different view, which is Maybe his club loves the fact that they're going into matches going for it. Because even if you park the bus, the chances are you're still going to lose. Maybe it's one to nothing or two to nothing or two to one, but the result is the same. But I think it sends the right message to the side in that, hey, look, we're going to counterattack these guys. We're going to put Antonio into the starting lineup, and he's going to give this the Manchester City side something else to think about besides Arnautovic. And we're going to try, and we're going to have a go, and we're at home, and we're going to make this thing happen. And okay, we didn't finish our chances, which is the story of this entire season again, and they did because they're clinical and they're Man City, and they walk away with a 4 nothing victory. But I think actually when you look at it, that was the right setup to go into the game. And I think to finish up on this, as we head into these – run of fixtures that you mentioned, Adam, maybe the other reason he's doing this is because he knows that he's trying to build confidence and set up his club exactly the way they are going to play against the Newcastles and the Huddersfields and the Watfords of the world coming up in all matches they should win. So I think even though the result was completely and entirely predictable, I think the way that he went into the match was actually applaudable. And I thought that in and of itself is worth some examination rather than just kind of taking a look at, oh yeah, well, here we go again, type thing against Man City. Yeah, and you know, you know, Jeff, I don't, uh, I don't think we always agree on everything, but this one I definitely agree with you 100. percent And um, same with you, I was, I mean, maybe same with you, maybe not. I was shocked, I was surprised that we did come out and we had that formation. I thought for sure we were going to sit back, and uh, I was glad to see that the fact that we weren't, you know, regardless of if we kind of knew we were might, we might have already lost, or if we even had a chance of winning, but we came out and we showed that we, we were going to at least try, um, you know. You're right, going up against a clinical side like that, I wasn't surprised at all. I think I predicted a 3-1 loss as well. And I think, what, they have something crazy like five shots on goal and 
and, and four of them went in. So, six on target, uh, four in. Six, yeah, six <laughs> and four. So, I mean, clinical. And I think, once again, you know, not to beat a dead horse, that's something that uh, needs to be worked on. You know, Antonio looked good um, for once. And, and, you know, that was that was good to see. And then, obviously, I think Rice looked good again, you know, and and really wasn't surprised by any of it. Man City, this club, as you've seen and heard probably in different podcasts and different places on Twitter, this Man City team is going to go down probably as one of the best ever in the Premier League. So I wasn't uh, I wasn't too shocked by that at all. But it was good to see to come out with, a, with some heart and uh, come to come out with a, an attacking mindset instead of just uh, kind of like under the old Fat Sam tactics of just kind of sitting back and we're going to, you know, put one guy on – on one side of the field and then the other 10 on the other and uh, see if we can stop this. But, uh, yeah, so that was good to see, but it wasn't really a shocker for me. I kind of didn't think that we were going to come out with a victory. I don't want to be pessimistic, but it was just kind of factual for me. Man, I know there was one game last season, too, under Moyes, where I swear we came out and, like, he had a set up in a 5-4-1. You know, there's no joke. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, and, and that is – I understand it logically but i i just think in this particular situation you know we're all they're all professional football clubs in the premiership let's let's try let's yeah. let's put out an effort and i do think it does send the right message to the players for sure and, and a does. lot of uh, a lot of games you see teams set up defensively like in that 5-4-1 and they'll lose four nothing to man city anyways at least you could hear it in 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 the london stadium you could hear it uh Every time West Ham picked up the ball and started trudging down the field, the, the fans got up for it. They're clapping. They're cheering along because nobody wants to watch you lose 4 nothing. But if you're trying to make that 4-1, 4 you're continually trying to attack, like with the with the formation that Pellegrini picked, with the players he picked, there's something to be applauded about that. I don't think it's it's you know, lying over or rolling over, sorry, and, and basically accepting defeat. I think it's just basically... Um, coming to terms with what's likely. Um, I don't know if there's ever been such a dramatic gap between the top one to two teams and the rest of the league, but um, just with with how good Manchester City is and how good that team plays together, how clinical they are, like we've said, uh, having the guts to go out there and at least put on some sort of entertaining display rather than clogging up the middle and back line is something that I, I applaud from Pellegrini as well. Um, well I do want to get your guys... Go ahead there, Jeff. I was going to say, also, really, when you look at it, didn't it work? I mean, let's be honest. Didn't it work? Because, once again, we had the first chance of the match. We had the best early chances of the match. And, look, I'm not going to sit here and put on my claret and blue-colored glasses and say we outplayed Man City. <laughs> but but if you look at just what he did with his team selection and his tactics, the chances were created. Now, Manuel Pellegrini is not on Antonio's right foot. Uh, he's not missing his passes to Arnautovic in the center of the pitch in the six-yard box, but the chances were there. So you could say, and I do say, he picked the right team, he had the right tactics, and the chances were there. Now what happens after that is football, but uh, but I think it worked. What's interesting, That's too, good is to see. with it's an early chance, Manchester United got beat by West Ham. It just happened to be converted by Felipe Anderson, and that kind of changed the complexion of the game. Who knows how this game looks if West Ham converts early, but... I mean, it's also a drastically different team, a city from United. Obviously, did you see United 0-0 to Crystal Palace at the weekend? Yeah, they couldn't even do us a favor there either. Come on. Right. Um, okay, something that I think we need to talk about is, uh, and it's maybe, you know, we can, there's not too much really to say about this. Antonio had a great game or a good game for him. Um, again, there was no goals, no assists, nothing like that. He just ran really hard and showed effort, which is an extremely low bar for a player like him. I don't care how hard he runs. I want him gone in January, and I'm sure you guys probably agree with that. But um, we can maybe end our, our recap on this uh, less-than-impressive game with a talk about Arthur Mazuaku, and I don't think any of us are going to be defending him. Uh, I just want to want to get your guys' thoughts on the post-match shenanigans that went on. Someone criticized him on Instagram. He replied calling him an imbecile and saying that he basically isn't a left-back. Um and yes, we, we signed him as a left back. He played at Olympiacos as a left back. He played under Bilic as a left back, under Moyes as a left wing back anyways, and has played under Pellegrini as a left back. Um, when he was dipsy doodling and dangling and dribbling everyone on Tottenham in that awesome display of skill, he wasn't complaining about being a left back. Now that he's taken some shtick and people realize that it's really a toss-up between him and Cresswell, he seems to think he's not a left back anymore. I am not convinced he's really 
the caliber of player that can sustain a career in the Premier League at this level. He's still long, he's still young, sure. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on, on Pellegrini, Jeremiah? I'll, I'll defer to you here first. Do, do you think he's founded in his not a left back conversation? If so, give me your thoughts on it. I think first off, you know, I'm never the most. I'd say I'm always the optimistic uh, Twitter or tweeter on uh, on Twitter towards players, but I never. Um, <laughs> I never tag them, and so I mean, obviously, you shouldn't. If you're going to talk, talk whatever you want, but don't tag the players. Now, as a professional, should if he responded back in that way, absolutely not. I mean, you know, I can see how he would feel that way. Someone that probably doesn't play football at all is coming out to him and you know slating him like that. But as a professional player, you shouldn't let that bother you. You should worry about your own game. The fact that he did say that you all, what did he say? We all know that's not my real position anyway, or something like that is that to me is key because I feel like that's almost a kind of punch in the face to Pellegrini. Kind of like, a, hey, everybody here knows I'm not a left back. I don't know why I'm playing it. But much like you said, he came to us from Olympiacos as a left back as far as I know. I didn't know anything about him until he got here. Um, but, you know, I, I think that he's clearly not. I don't know where else we're going to play him. That might come in. That question might come in later when we do on our fill-in-the-blank section. Um, but at the same time... <laughs> At the same time, I, I, I think he was wrong for coming back at the fan like he did, but I also think the fan was more wrong for trying to personally attack him on Instagram or Twitter or whatever it was on. Uh, I mean, you know, we can sit back and we can be angry at the players all we want, but, you know, who are you to sit there and uh, and try to call them out? And uh, I, pro- I, I, bet the, I bet he probably didn't think that Arthur was going to, you know, respond back, and he was probably shocked when he did. But, yeah, to, I guess, answer your question in a way, I think it was uh, shenanigans, all of it, and I definitely don't think he's a left back, and I don't really know where we would play him, and I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't hope to see him again too much. But we probably will because we don't really have a lot of other options. Yeah, Jeff, I think, one thing, think? Yeah. I think one thing that's two things that are pretty clear. One is that West Ham doesn't have a left back on the current squad, number one. And number two, going back to the spinning incident from last season, uh, Arthur Masawaki was not the sharpest knife uh, in the drawer over at the training ground, right? And so I, I'm, I think you're totally right. When you're a professional athlete, you got to rise above it. And I think social media has definitely changed the game because the professional athlete no longer needs the media to be a conduit between themselves and the fan. The, they can speak directly to the fans. Fans can speak directly to them. It's changed that totally. Uh, same thing with actors and actresses and anybody else in entertainment. But but you do have to, if you're going to read it, and we all know they do, they all listen to radio and podcasts, they all read the papers and websites, and they all participate in social media, you've got to rise above it or you just end up looking like a numbskull, which is what he looks like. And I think that's that's about it. And I think, you know, the other thing we know, besides the fact that he's not a left back, Antonio wasn't a right back. That's for sure. I think it's questionable whether Mazuwaki is a left back. Sure, he's probably more of a true wing back, but that's what we got right now. And I, I say going into this match and I, when we talk about Newcastle, I think one of the changes that we're going to see if it's really a true change is I think. When you go back in that seesaw left back position, last time Mazuwaku started, played the first half, and Cresswell came on, I think this time it's going to be the opposite. I think Cresswell is going to get the start. He'll be back in the starting 11 at left back, and that just further illustrates this point that when you have two left backs, you don't have any left backs. Yeah, uh, I do think that Cresswell looked good when he came in, and I think it's important to note that it was in a nothing game where it was 3 nothing at the time. West Ham didn't look like they were able to get back in the match. Um, but uh, he came in, he looked relaxed, he wasn't overplaying the ball, he wasn't making those decisions where you're kind of like, oh, come on, like scratching your head. He was just clearing his lines when it was there, he was making short passes when, when those were there as well. Um, he just simplified his game, didn't overcommit forward because he knows the opposition he had backwards, uh, going the other way. Um, it, it just He just seemed to be taking a positive step forward, so... As far like I've I've dug out Cresswell for his performances this season and last more than more than anyone. Um, I want to see him get a shot here because regardless of if we get another left back come January, um, there's going to be at least one of these guys on our team still. And if that's the if that's the fact, I, I would like it to be Cresswell. He helps with the homegrown English content on the team. I think he's good for squad building. Like he's he's a good guy. It seems active in the locker room. Uh, friends with Noble and Carol, that sort of English yeah, trio he's, there. He's, he's he's BFFs with Noble. There's no speaking of social okay. media. All you have to do is go on their social media, oh, yeah. and you'll see 
Oh yeah. So I, I, I don't want to dig him out or anything like that, like you said, but uh, I, I just think that hopefully he's someone who can see the opportunity and take it and just get out of his own head there. Um, what we're going to do, we're going to take a quick break and when we come back, we're going to jump into a new segment here called fill in the blanks. It's been picked up from another West Ham podcast. So shout out to them. Uh, and we'll also jump into some fan questions. Just keep it locked on the green street hammers podcast. All right, welcome back. And the new segment here is fill in the blank. So we have some statements here with um, the most crucial bit of information left blank for us to sort of uh, give our opinions on. Uh, Jeremiah, I know you have a couple prepared there. Why don't you go ahead and give us the first one? Jeff, you can answer before me. Okay. All right. So the uh, the first one I got for you guys is uh, kind of leading off to the right to the last thing that we just talked about. But the first one is Pellegrini should play Mazuaku blank. Uh, he shouldn't play him. Should play him? No. <laughs> <laughs> Not. Not. Not yeah. play him. Um, I say um, as a backup left back until January. That's my answer. Yeah, fair enough. I was I was kind of thinking the same thing of not. I don't know if there's somewhere we can not put him, but um, I guess he would do good on the bench. He'd look good there, you know. He's got some yeah. style. <laughs> All right, next one. All right, next one I got for you is in a uh, – this is kind of in a, a different formation or in a formation that we kind of seen or might see with Pellegrini, but in a 4-2-2-2, Arnie yes. would thrive playing next to blank better. I'm going to say Antonio, and I'm sure that's tainted by his last performance, but I've seen him play alongside Chicharito plenty, and there's no chemistry there whatsoever. I just don't think Arnie and Chicharito have any chemistry whatsoever. So I'm going to say Antonio because I also think Antonio is better as a center forward than he is playing out on the wing. I agree with you. No chemistry between Chicharito and Antonio, uh, or sorry, Chicharito and Arnautovic, but uh, I do think he'll be playing best beside Andy Carroll, and I think we're going to see that on Saturday. Yeah, I'm gonna jump in on the Andy Carroll wagon like I always do, and uh, sign him up. But I sign do, him you know, I, I sign him <laughs> up, man. I do think that uh, I do think that you know Carroll could get in there and take the hits, and then you know let Arnie kind of run free. So also, have you guys uh, Arnautovic drifts out of the box a lot when you're like, oh, I want my center forward to be in the middle there fighting for a header. He drifts you know, to the perimeter. That's funny. I think, yes, I've noticed that, and I think that's an interesting point, and I think part of that is depending on who he's playing with, if he doesn't feel like he's getting the ball enough and enough service, he will drop out of the box because he wants to get the ball and carry it in himself. Very self-serving. All right. All right, and then the last one I got for you guys is blank is the next academy player to break into the first team. Great question. We did a poll on that one. Jeff, go ahead. Does Nathan Holland count? Sure. Sure, yeah. Nathan Holland. Ooh, let me think about this. I like that too. He was gonna be my pick, but I want to be different. Um, uh, who's the Who's the right back? Johnson? I think it's Johnson. I think it's Johnson. Um, I'll go with Johnson because I, I Pellegrini said today in the press conference, uh, Zabaleta cannot play. I repeat, cannot play seven games in four weeks <laughs> at right back. Sorry if I just said left back before. Um, Whoever whoever the right back is on the team, I think maybe Johnson. He looked good against Dagenham Redbridge uh, last season. I like to see him there. I think I think it was Johnson. I'm going to commit to that. It's Johnson. Uh, he looked good. Uh, he looked attacking, um, and I think he's the one who does it. You know, yeah. I haven't given up on Fredericks yet. Have y'all given up on Fredericks yet? He's out for three three to four months. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. That's right. What a fluke! Yeah. I I because I, I liked him coming in there. He looked good. I thought he'd settled down, but injured. that's right. Totally forgot about that. He's the one for the future, but for the now, I say Johnson. Very no bad podcaster yeah, today. <laughs> uh, Jeremiah, who you got? Man, I, I want to. I would say Holland too, but I don't want to be the same. I really like uh, Nathan Trot, our young keeper. Mm. Um, I, I like him a lot. I mean, I know he's young. I think he's twenty, and I don't think there's any hurry to obviously bring him in. But it would be kind of cool to see him come in. Maybe I don't know if it's going to be now. I mean, we do have a stretch of a couple games that are mostly winnable. It would be kind of cool to see him come in and kind of see what he has. He's looked good for, you know, the uh, under-20s and under-23s. He's looked really good, and uh, in my opinion, anyway. And I, I, it would be kind of cool to see him. Hey, if uh, Adrian goes in January, there could be a chance for a couple early FA Cup matches. You never know. It's true. Um, okay, I'll, uh, I'll answer these ones here. And, Jeremiah, you can have first crack at the ones that Jeff crafted them. I'll be reading them and uh, – yeah, we'll, we'll follow along there. Okay. West Ham will be blank in the table by Christmas. Ooh. 12. 
gonna go with twelve. Um, it, I'm trying not to be negative here. <laughs> we got these games that we're all you know like all oh, these next seven or eight games we can win. Or I mean, before Christmas, I think is like what six games. But uh, you know, before that, I think that um, we're gonna get a couple wins. But I just see a couple of these games gonna be. We're going to play it out to the level of that team that we're playing. You know, even starting this weekend with Newcastle away is tough. And so I'm going to go with 12th, which I wouldn't be too disappointed about. Wow, I'm a little bit more optimistic. I'm going to say 10th. Because, and I agree with you, uh, we tend to play down to the level of our competition or up, whatever the case may be, Manchester United and Chelsea. Thank you for that. Um, but I, But I do think... Uh, hopefully the message has been sent to the club that messing around is done. And I think we've learned hopefully a couple tough lessons against, uh, Brighton Hove Albion was one and against Huddersfield town where we ended up with a draw. So hopefully they look at this next little stretch of, of fixtures before Christmas and really put some points up on the board and, and move up the table. You know, I think it's a pretty, uh, favorable run of fixtures around the holiday. I remember a couple of years ago, we had an absolute gauntlet around Christmas Ooh. where we were playing Man U yeah. and Arsenal and Chelsea and all these teams back to back to back to back. We played so hopefully, Arsenal twice in two weeks, I think, with, that's the, right. with yeah. the cup game. So uh, hopefully we'll uh, we'll make some cover some ground here. I like that. I'm going to split the difference. I'll say 11th. Um, I, I think that you're going to see Wolves hang around. You're going to see Leicester maybe, maybe hang around. I think Watford's going to drop out from their ninth spot and the rest, Bournemouth, Everton, United, Arsenal, will all stay ahead of them. Um, we'll jump ahead to the next one here. West Ham will score blank goals this Saturday. Ooh, blank goal. I'm going to go with two. I think we're going to get two. Um, trying to stay pretty level-headed here. I'm not trying to get too negative on everything, but I, I think two. And um, I'll leave the uh, how many Newcastle are going to score out until the uh, predictions time here at the end. But, yeah, I'm going to go with two. And hopefully, you know, Andy Carroll, maybe he comes in and uh, puts one in. So, I'm going to go with two also because we need to score some goals. We just <laughs> got to score some goals. And I think three tends to end the way I look at it, it just factually in the in these fixtures here, three seems to be a little unrealistic at this point, and two would be nice. I, I predicted three in our upcoming match predictions post. Um, so I'll say three, and I also gave two of those to Carol. Um, but, uh, if that dream doesn't happen, uh, I, I still like three. I think Philippe Anderson can get one. I think maybe someone in the midfield can get one as well. Um, as well as the, the strikers. Um, but, uh, outside of, outside of that, I, I think I want to mix, I think I want to mix in another question here, uh, with another fill the blank here and say, Newcastle will score blank goals Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with two also. Oh, um, <laughs> just gave it away uh no but i i think that they are gonna score two they're playing at home they play really good at home or not maybe really good at home but they do have a good kind of crowd behind them and it's a tough place to play uh just because it's such a really big stadium and so yeah i'm gonna go with two i'm gonna say one i think uh, we're coming out of there with all three points Ooh. this weekend two to one nice uh, I'm saying zero. Uh, again, I need to stop being so optimistic or whatever. Stop drinking the water. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I just think their main attacking point is R- Rondon, and he's super good in the air. But I think Isidiop and Balbuena are just as good as him, and will be the best center back pairing he's seen in a while. So I don't think I think they're going to sort of neutralize him a little bit. Maybe Yasalu clears one up at the end of the match. But I, I think West Ham two in the first half, one when the game is winding down, and that. Ends it there. Um, okay, next one here. Mark Noble plays blank minutes versus Newcastle. Hmm. I would like to say I'm going I'm to go with. I think he's going to play at least sixty. Um, I'd like to see him come out and start. And um, and you know you know I'm a big fan of Noble and I'm a big proponent of the when Mark Noble plays, West Ham wins or <laughs> plays really well. So I'm going to go with at least sixty. Okay. I think 65 for all those reasons that you just said, Jeremiah. I do think he gets a start. He obviously served his suspension. He's waited his turn. I feel like that West Ham's midfield this year at its best, and I use the quotes around its best, has been when Snodgrass, Rice, and Noble have been in it together, and I think that's what he goes back to on Saturday, and I think Noble gets 65 minutes. Yeah, I I think 60 as well. I think it's a good way to get him back into, uh, into game shape there. Uh, I think most importantly, though, it'll be Wilshire that comes in to play the final 30 just to get him a couple of match minutes there coming off the injury. 
he had an extra week or so off. He's been training all week, says Pellegrini. But I do think they're going to go with the I'm not I will never call it a four four two the four two 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 formation. Uh, and you're going to have Noble sort of pinned beside Rice, and then when the opportunity comes to move up the field, it'll be Noble roaming up further, which I think suits him better and as well suits Wilshire better. So sixty minutes, and Wilshire comes on. And we'll move on to the final three here, and they are uh, they are future ones. So uh, the first one is the West Ham Hammer of the Year Award goes to blank. Oof, man, we got a lot of season left for that. I know uh, it's it's like it's uh, a real forecast there. It really is. I'm gonna go with uh, I think the obvious one and maybe the easy answer. I'm gonna go with Declan Rice. I think um, he's just every week he gets better, and it's fantastic to see and. Sometimes I even think that he's too good to play on West Ham. and uh, But I think it'll be Declan Rice. He's just, he's really kind of been consistent. Hopefully that doesn't change now that I've jinxed it. But um, yeah, hopefully I think it would be him. Jeff? I'll go with the other obvious one, Marco Arnautovic. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, I'm going to go with the third obvious one and say Fabianski. We haven't had a good keeper in about 10 years, so I, uh, I'm happy to say him. I think if you were on a better team, he would be lights out, uh, you know, top of the leaderboards and everything other than saves. So uh, I, I think I think he's going to continue his form and, and maybe be a, a, a dark horse in the race. Um, okay, the West Ham U player most likely sold in January is blank. Oof. I like can the transfer I to, talk. Can I... Uh... Let's defer to you on that one first. I got to think about this for okay. a bit. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Reese Oxford. Um, he's not even getting under 23 minutes anymore. Bad attitude, talking to to camera crews and newspapers, saying that it you know I have to respect Pellegrini, but if he's not gonna play me, I need to leave. Okay, sayonara, see you. Pack your bag. Um, I I don't think uh, he's got any future here, and I don't think he's got much of a future in England if uh, he ever does return. That's a good one. I'm gonna go with something a little bit more high profile. I'm gonna say Chicharito. Like it. Um, you know, I've, I've loved the guy. I just don't see it happening. We've talked about the chemistry, the lack of chemistry he has with Arnautovic. He's not scoring right now. Then you've got all the scuttlebutt in the papers about his weekly wages upsetting the club. And maybe that's true. Maybe it's not true. Um, but I think all that conspires to kind of have him move on to uh, better pastures come January. As Dave Walker continues to say, we didn't get the player we thought we were signing. Right. Yeah. Right. And it's, it's that's unfortunate because – He's played really well pretty much everywhere else he's been. Um, but I guess since you guys already said those two, I'll go with Antonio. I think uh, I do think we're going to sell him. Um, he's playing good right now, and I think we'll continue to do that, and that's going to kind of bring in some suitors. And um, I don't know if it'll be the same ones as before, but I think Antonio. I'd love him to go to Palace and just explode. <laughs> but um, Okay, the last one here. Blank will be West Ham United's leading goal scorer by the end of the season. I think we can all probably exhale and say Marco Anatovich, but uh, that's for me. You guys go. Yeah, yeah. It's got to be Marco, unless somebody else really comes in on fire, you know. Zonda Silva. Back and, yeah, Zonda Silva. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to see that. Too? Come on. And doesn't Anderson have four right now, and Marco has five, so he's closed the gap a little bit? Does Anderson have four? Come on. Oh, I guess, yeah, if you're counting all competitions, yeah, okay. Um, do you think, Jeff, do you think uh, Do you think it's going to be Arnautovic? Yeah, I do, I do, I do. I just try to bring something else into to further the discussion there. But, yeah, I think it is. And you know what? I think it'd be fantastic if he is because if he's not, I don't think that bodes well for West Ham. I think that means he's either missed a spell, he's been injured, or I just, you know, he's West Ham's bell cow. And if he scores and he's the leading scorer, I think that's our best possible uh, scenario to build around the only double-edged sword the only you know thing with that double-edged sword is that it basically gives him more stock to go get into one of those champions league teams that's really looking to mm-hmm. sign a 30 year old striker um yeah. okay let's uh let's jump into are we, are we all good for time as i say that yep oh yeah okay i'll jump into new orleans hammers at the hollander on twitter's question here do you think we adapt enough to other sides? I know Pellegrini likes to play his game and his idea is for us to progress in this winning formula, but should we adapt to or exploit other teams based on their style of play? What do you think, Jeff? I, I think, 
you know, we've kind of touched on that a little bit with his tactics going into Man City. I, I don't really have a problem with the way he plays because I think every club needs to have something that they can they can go to, that they're going to dictate the game, that they have their go-to formation in their lineups, and that's what they're going to do, and they're going to try to dictate. And I think for the most part, he's been pretty good at that. My criticism of, of Pellegrini has more been about his substitutions in the second half to where he just doesn't seem to have any – I don't want to say he doesn't think about it. He doesn't have any strategy behind it, but it's almost like he just throws forward after forward after forward on in the hopes that someone's going to knock one in. It so far hasn't really happened. I would like to see some more thought put into strategic substitutions being made into the flow of the game or how the other team maybe has played. In other words, make better in-game adjustments as the manager than I've seen him do right now. That would be my only criticism of him. But I actually like his tactics going into the game, and I think he's trying to build a system that West Ham can rely on that dictates play uh, to the other clubs like he should rather than try to let them dictate to us and have to play a defense to that. Yeah, I think yeah. He's, he's he's just letting injury pick his team's form right now, not other teams. So yeah. if someone's on form, that's that's exactly what he is focused on. And other than that, I think it's the right mentality. You you set up your game plan. Don't let someone else dictate it uh, until the game starts, like you like you had said there, Jeff. What do you think, Jeremiah? Yeah, I'm gonna agree with you guys. I, I hate I hate whenever teams will play, you know, to the strength of the other team because it's almost like you're giving up. I think it's it's smart to have knowledge of you know scout and have knowledge of the other team to know where their strengths come from. But like you said, both of you, you got to have, you play your game, you know, make them play to your game and don't sit back. And I love the aggression, even though with a loss, but we've, we've had years and years of managers that have, you know, played to the game of the other team and it's never really worked out that well. So I love the fact that, you know, he's sticking to what he believes in and, and hopefully in time it'll work and the players will adapt to it. All right. The next one comes from the NoCo Irons at NoCo underscore Irons on Twitter. Pretty simple one. One that hurts when I talk about it or think about it. But do you think Arnie pulls a Payette and how much would it take to let him go? What do you think, Jeremiah? Mm, I hope he doesn't pull a Payette because uh, that would be just too much heartbreak in the last couple of years. <laughs> how much can one fan base take? Come on. I know. I know. I don't think he's as much of a snake as uh, Payette is. So I think we'll be good there. But I think think if like you said some of these champions league teams come in um and there's going to be suitors that come in for them we we can't uh by, be naive and say that it's not going to happen but i don't know what do you think 30 35 is that too low i think 30 35 um i would be i guess okay with so. i don't think they i don't think west ham lets him go for less than I, I think i honestly think 50 would be what they want um yeah because he's worth i think he's worth the more than that, based on the goals he'll score that nobody else on West Ham will, that raises yeah. them, you know, the the incremental money you make for positions in the table. I think Arnautovic is worth more than 50 million, 50 million pounds because he's going to keep you in a mid-table spot rather than a 17th, you know, 16th, 15th spot. And it's going to make you exponentially more money. What do you think, Jeff? That's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. It I just guess I was right now, to be honest. Yeah, I, really I, I was on. thinking about more of does Marco Arnautovic married or have a girlfriend? And have we checked the rumors for what the deal is there to compare him to Pie and why he needed to leave London immediately to keep peace at his home? He has a beautiful uh, wife and a couple kids, I believe. And I think okay. a woman as good looking as his wife is is the problem that came up for dimitri payette so uh yeah i think you're right i think he's he's doing fine at home so no need to worry about that well well good then i think i don't think he's a snake i don't think i think he really does love the club and i'm not saying that dimitri payette didn't but it just seems different right now with marco and his relationship with the the supporters and the fan base so i'm gonna say he he will still be here after january he won't try to move to a different club in the summer but Business is business, and I'm agreeing with you. If someone comes around offering 45 or 50 million bucks, I mean, how do you turn that down? You've doubled your investment on a player. That's the kind of business that the West Ham uh, board needs to be doing, and that ha- they haven't done. And so I think that's just smart business. I would hate to see it, and I don't think it's going to happen in January. Jeff, I'm going to read between the lines here, and I agree. If he goes, we'll just we'll just roll out Andy Carroll, and everything will be fine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the last question here comes from the West Hammer at usa whu and uh i'll take the first uh answer on this one to give you guys a second to to think about it and do the math but uh they are asking how many points do you think we will get in our next eight matches those matches are newcastle cardiff crystal palace fulham watford southampton burnley and brighton 
and that is the potential 24 points. If I've done my math correctly, there is no guarantee that I have. I think <laughs> we are going to get in the neighborhood of 15 to 17 points. Now, I think we lose one of these matches, and I think it's going to be like against Fulham or something. Fulham or Crystal Palace, for whatever reason, make me nervous. Um, I think we'll draw one or two, but the rest, I, I can see us beating Newcastle, Cardiff, uh, one of the two between Palace and Fulham. Uh, Watford, Southampton, I think, is going to get relegated this year. Burnley, nothing special there. Brighton, I think we come we come back and smash them too. So I say the high level, I'll say 17. Well, I'll do a little plug here for a piece that I wrote coming to the end of the international break on GreenStreetHammers.com <laughs> heading into the Manchester City game. And I kind of touched on this about how many points the club should expect in these next games. Because if you kind of analyze the season in two parts, we have 12 points from 12 matches because we didn't get any points from the first four. So you could also make the case we've had 12 points over the last eight matches. And that's a really, really nice pace. So I'm going to say over the next eight games, we keep that up. And we end up with 13 points. And that's how also I justify my earlier comment that that's how we get to 10th by Christmas. Ah, lovely. Okay. okay. Yeah, I'm going to go, you know, I could give a range, but I guess I'll go with, you said 24 is, is probably what our math is. If we're 24 not is the math. max, yeah. Eight times okay, three. It's simple, but max. it's difficult. It is. It's tough. <laughs> it's later on in the day. I get it. Um, no one's good at that. <laughs> I think 12. I'm going to go with 12 points. Um just you know obviously i think there's games in there that we are going to win cardiff's one of them i think if we don't win that game then that's going to bring out all kinds of uh, negativity and uh, a lot of we're going to have to start defending west ham better than we might be but i'm going to go with 12 i think 12 is possible i know i said that we're going to be christmas break at 12th but i at the same time that means other teams are going to probably start playing good around us too so i'm going to go with 12 i'm going to split it right down the middle and, and make it easy on myself all right. Well, that's as good a spot to stop as any. Again, we thank everyone who, who gave us questions on Twitter. It was short notice today, so we appreciate the uh, the effort there and the West Ham family coming through. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we are going to preview the upcoming match against Newcastle. All right, and in the final segment here, we are down a man. Uh, Jeff had to step out there. Real life gets in the way all the time, so that's fine. Um, but we're just, me and Jeremiah are just going to be here talking about Newcastle coming up, what to expect, what we think, how West Ham will do, all of the fun stuff. Uh, Jeremiah, they played with wingbacks last week, most notably because their right back doesn't exist right now. Uh, mm-hmm. They have some injuries to their squad, and as well, their captain, uh, Laskell, was out. So, uh, do you think we're going to see wingbacks with them, or do you think we should prepare for just a flat back four? What do you think about the, the Newcastle team setup? You know, I, I think we might see the uh, wingbacks again, um, and that's, I know we kind of already alluded to it a little bit. I'm predicting probably a 2 2 draw to come out of there and uh i think we'll see the wingbacks again um it it worked okay in that uh 2-1 victory against burnley um sorry just to correct myself they're left backs out injured richie was playing left back even though he's the right right. mid yedlin is the uh american exciting young right back on their team continue yeah no i think with wingbacks and and you know, knowing yedlin because you know we live here close to all that with him he he's exciting and I like him a lot, and I think he's dangerous. And that, uh, to me, makes me a little skeptical, especially with how our left-back situation is. Um, but I think, you know, going into Newcastle is a tough place to play. It's not that they're always a really good team. I don't think that if you were to put our players and their players and, hey, who's the best one, that there would be many of their players that come out. I think there would be a few. But um, it is a tough place to play just because the stadium is huge and they get loud. And it's a, you know, it's a far flight. I mean, I'm thinking they take a flight up there because it's a a pretty far trek. But I'm going to go 2-2. I think that we do get the offense rolling a little bit. I would like to see the 4-2-2-2, I guess, instead of calling it a 4-4-2. Yes. Um, So I want to see that. I really do. And I think that we have the players and the right personnel for it. Um, But I do think it's going to be a draw just because one tough place when they got the wing backs, especially with Yedlin, and he's going to be going up the right side, and we all know who's going to be defending him on our end, um, I think that it could be it, it could be a little rough on that side of the ball. So I'll go two two, come out of there with a point. I would be happy. Hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully we win. But uh, yeah, that's what I'm going with. Yeah, I I, I did predict three nil. Um, and again, that's me being the optimist that I am. Um, <laughs> but uh, 
yeah, it, I don't know why this team, they have a couple players, like you said, if we did a combined 11, I think Kennedy starts on the right side. And I think mm-hmm. uh, Balbuena gets replaced by Laskell when he's, when he's back, uh, when he's back in the lineup, which he should be for this match. Other than that, West Ham take pretty much everyone else on that, on that, on that list. Um, when I watched the game against Burnley, um, Burnley statistically were better than them. I'm just going to pull up the stats here. 14 shots, four on target. Uh, Newcastle had 17 with three on target. Possession, Burnley narrowly edged them out 57 to 43. They had 130 more passes than them with better accuracy, less fouls, less yellow cards, and they were tied on on corners and offsides. So it was a close match statistically. Um, Newcastle looked pretty solid just because they they used their midfielders really well, um, and that's uh, Key, who came over from Swansea. In the uh, in the summer window, and Mo Diame, who West Ham fans are familiar with, mm-hmm. um, he looked. I looked up his age because I, I was writing a piece on it, and he's 31. He looked 21 years old, running around closing everybody down. He's not all that tall, but he's like really stocky and thick, and and he just gets up in your face, pressures the ball, and he forced a couple turnovers from Burnley. Um, so he's someone to, to watch for, and I do think you'll see John Joe Shelby back for them, which is really important because. He's a bit of a he's a bit of a bastard when it comes to tackling and jumping in the legs and everything. He's known for a red card or two in the season, but um, what he also is is a really, really, really good passer. Um, he can yeah. pick out a long ball super, super well. So um, that's going to be someone for Declan Rice to get involved with, as well as Perez, their center forward. He played on the left side uh, against Burnley, but I do think we're going to see a flat back four from them. Lascelles will come in with Fernandez, probably or Clark, who did score. Uh, and then whether I don't think it's gonna be, I think it's gonna be Richie up at right mid or left mid, and, and you're gonna see mm-hmm. Kennedy on the other side. They'll throw someone else in there at left back. I don't think we'll see wing backs. I I probably am gonna be wrong, but I just <laughs> I think that West Ham have the players to pick apart this team. Uh, I think you're gonna see Felipe Anderson really instigating a lot of trouble for for the uh, for the Newcastle back line. Um, yeah, I don't know. I f- I feel good going into this one and. Um, what did Jeff say? Jeff said we don't play well there traditionally, correct? Right, right. That's what he said. And uh, so Diame is only thirty-one. Yeah, I, I thought I could have swore he was like thirty-one when he left us. It feels like I, forever he, ago he, he left us. He looks like an old thirty-one. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he yeah. wears it. He wears it. Um, I mean, yeah, like we don't play well going going to Newcastle, but we didn't yeah. play well when we go to Merseyside to to go play Everton either. So um, we turned a result from that, and I think we'll do it here. I also think, and let me know your thoughts on this. Um, I think we could see Snodgrass, who was dropped due to suspension and then never got his spot back uh, because of the change in formation. Um, I do think we're going to see Snodgrass back, and I think he starts in place of Diangana um, on the right side. And in this 4-4-2 formation, I'm going to have Carroll and Arnautovic up top. Behind them, wide as attacking midfielders. The left side, I'm going to have covered by Philippe Anderson. The right side, Snodgrass in the middle, Noble and Rice, and then the same flat back four with um, Cresswell at left back. Cresswell can whip it across. Snodgrass can whip it across. Anderson can whip it across. Even Noble can too. I think that's the best lineup you can set up to sort of maximize what you get out of having two strikers and one that's named Andy Carroll. Um, I think that could be beneficial for them uh, to to set up like that. Do you think Snodgrass – I mean, Dean Gana wouldn't get dropped for performance because he's performed well. He hasn't looked out of place. Um, I just think he could be used better later in the game. When their team's tired out, you have this, what is he, 20-year-old, 19-year-old kid come on who's super quick, and he starts running up and down the, the sideline. You're thinking, come on, like there's only 20 minutes left in this game. What are we doing? This guy's flying around here. Do, do you think there's any place for Snodgrass, or do you still want to see Diangana start the match? I think it – I'm going to agree with you pretty much 100%. I think that uh, getting snod, getting Snotty back in there to play and and then bringing Diangana on late uh, will really – It'll probably it'll just be a lot for him because I think if if it is a four two 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 and you have Arnautovic and Andy Carroll up front, they're just going to be tired. They're going to be dog tired after facing those two for whether it's you know how long sixty seventy minutes combined, and then someone else comes on. And I think that um, bringing pace on later in the game is is important, and hopefully Pellegrini will do that. I know Jeff, we kind of slated him a little bit. In the uh, last segment, talking about Pellegrini and how he hasn't, he's had poor substitutions. So maybe, you know, something like that will come around. I love Snodgrass ever since he came back. I mean, I was one of the first ones to push him out of West Ham a couple of years back. And uh, um, I'm just impressed with how he's come back. And, you know, apologize completely. Not that he's listening to this podcast, <laughs> but if he, if he is, you know, I apologize for that. But, 
Yeah, I would love to see Cress come in at left back. You know, he was a for me that the was it the fifteen sixteen season. He was a hero oh, with yeah. those crosses coming in, and even some goals that he scored whenever he would get up and uh, get close to the box. You know, so hopefully you know, he can redeem himself. It's got to be him. I hope it's him. I'm probably going to be wrong because I've been wrong pretty much every game before. But I would love to see the four two two two, and I think you're right. You know, Noble back there with Rice. Um, let let the captain come back and and get a spot back and um and to show what he can do so hopefully that is the case you know the more we keep talking I'm thinking i might have to change my prediction but i'm still gonna go two two <laughs> but uh you know maybe that'll change before saturday so. yeah it, one thing i forgot about snodgrass too is that this game's probably going to be a little chippy it's a physical team mm-hmm. they have some attitude uh, kennedy does too for you know a lot of the brazilian guys yes. have a lot of that uh, chip on their shoulder sort of attitude felipe anderson's a little bit more mild when it comes to that same with richarlison but you look at a lot of the other the other guys, even in the the Champions League match with uh, PSG and Liverpool yesterday. Uh, Danny Alves was getting in people's faces. Neymar was grabbing necks and stuff. There, there's just that little <laughs> flair, and Kennedy has that. He he's been known to blow blow his top a time or two. Um, but Shelby and Diame too. They're they're physical, hard tackling mm-hmm. guys. I think Diangana could get a little shaken by that. So if you insulate him a little bit with a, a guy like Snodgrass, who I think would you, you're as likely to see him at the bar as you would out back throwing punches on any given yeah. night. Um, I, I love that attitude from him. So between him and Carroll, if he starts, Arnautovich, Noble too. I mean, Noble tried to choke slam uh, Luke Shaw last year too, which was uh-huh. awesome. So there's a, there's some grit on our side. Um, Cresswell, though, I'm glad you brought it up. I think it's the only logical choice. He came in and looked good against City as, as uh, much of a – I don't know what silver lining that is to an awful game, but uh, I, I think he has all the ability to do it. He's not injured anymore as far as we know. Mm. It's just got to be a mental thing, and I think he's trying to do too much. If he simplifies his game, he's going to have that sort of 2015-16, like we had said, uh, season. He can, he can have performances like that again, and it's going to be really uh, important to build that confidence with him. So even if he has a quiet match, doesn't get an assist, but just doesn't, make any massive errors or anything and West Ham win or get a, get an away result. I think that's going to be positive for him. And then knowing all of a sudden that there's not someone breathing down his neck, because also when Mazuaku came in, all of a sudden Cresswell can't play anymore. Right. Um, you know, take that competition away, which I don't think is a long-term plan, but for right now, there's not much Cresswell could do other than hammering a couple goals in our own net to get Mazuaku back in there. <laughs> um, just, just give him the opportunity to run with a couple games. We don't have anything better until January comes around, so let's see exactly what we can get done there. Um, Solomon Rondon, he is an interesting character. He's the target man striker for, for Newcastle. Um, apparently there was rumors that we wanted to buy him in the summer off Newcastle. Uh, I think that Rafa Benitez sort of likes the way he plays. He's physical. He's underrated when it comes to playing with his feet and holding up play by himself. A lot of mm-hmm. times Newcastle is counterattacking, so they have to just lump the ball up to him. But um, do we have the right center backs to handle an aerial threat? I think so. You know, and Diop is like a wall back there. So with them and Balbuena, I think that we do. I'm, I'm not a fan on Rondon because maybe he scores on us a decent amount. But um, I, I think that we do. I think we have the right defense back there. I think that if we can get with Rice and if Nobes is back there playing with him, um, like you said before, Noble will get in anybody's face. I can't remember who it was. If it was last year or the year before, the dude was clearly like a foot taller than him, and he didn't even care. He was oh, up was in their that? face. Was it, I'm trying was to remember. Pogba, was it? it Might have been. I can see the image in my head, Me but too. I can't remember who it was. Me too. I'm gonna and find so it. He doesn't care. <laughs> Keep going. Yeah, he doesn't care who it is. He doesn't care that. So I, I think with those three kind of in that area, maybe even throw Rice in there. Even with his youth, I think that he has no problem, you know, getting in there, and stopping somebody, or making a tackle on someone. Um, really, I think they're going to have to lump the ball in, like you said. And I, I do think with those two, with Balbuena and Diop back there, that um, they're going to do a good enough job to kind of stop that. They've been pretty decent all year with crosses, like as far as like lumping it in now. I mean, you get Man City in the box and they shoot it across like they were. It's kind of tough to defend, especially with a team like that. But Newcastle's not Man City, and uh, Rondon is nobody like Man City has on their team. So I think they'll do good. I think it may have been Sissoko from last year. I'm looking at a picture here, and it's pretty funny. Okay. Um, yeah, it's I think great. it was a cup match. Uh, I, I agree, though. Uh, West Ham have a, a pretty solid duo. Balbuena's been getting a little bit of stick for the last couple matches he's had. Um, he hasn't set the world on fire, but I honestly think Balbuena's 
fine making some errors, whatever. But I think he's fine. I think the issue is Issa Diop is so unbelievably talented. I think the uh, mm-hmm. the commentator, the announcer said um, he's got a telescopic leg for some of those tackle he, tackles he makes where you think that, okay, this is going to be a, an awesome chance for the other team. Oh, and somehow the ball is free. No one fell. No right. one tripped. Uh, I think he's he's someone special there, um, but we can we can sort of finish it out on on this uh, on this question here, and it's just m- more of a fun skeptical uh, question. Um, but do you think Rafa Benitez is regretting not leaving uh, Newcastle this last summer, or I guess in January when West Ham were looking for a replacement? Um, do you think he he regrets not leaving Mike Ashley's Newcastle team? I, th- I think if any regret he has, it's the fact that when you throw the name Mike Ashley out there and the kind of the way he's been um, running that club is uh, maybe regretful to him. You know, I wanted Benitez, but you know, I'm glad with what we got. I'm not disappointed with that. But I do think there might be a little bit of disappointment and regret that he didn't leave, not even just to come to West Ham, but maybe somewhere else. I don't know if there was any other clubs out there that were looking at him. But uh I heard it somewhere else, and um, I can't remember which podcast it was, so I apologize. But you know, shout out to you, whoever you were, if you're <laughs> listening to us. But um, they mentioned how you know Newcastle is that kind of club in that area where a big foreign investor could come in and, and take over. So maybe he'll get lucky. Mike Ashley sells the club, and then he'll be able to stay put. But I do think a little bit of uh, the fact that he might have a little regret, especially because they didn't really sign anybody worthwhile and the kind of the same old same old the last uh year or two yeah i i I think um i think like you said he he's he's stuck with them for so long now i think uh he might as well see it out there's been some hard times he's got them promoted he's got them staying up and now he's got Mm -hmm. them on going on a run here so there's positives and i think the biggest positive like you said will be a foreign investor coming in and buying this club because ashley seems to have no want to run a Premier league club um yeah other than that i think we're i think we're all done here we're wrapping up episode 12 it was a success we lo- we're losing people by the second <laughs> as this thing was going on no scott jeff's gone uh but uh yeah we're excited for the newcastle game right any final thoughts on on the upcoming match no final thoughts but uh, while you were talking i looked and, and the image i was thinking of was noble when he was getting in pogba's face okay like, he had his hand in his face i think it, he was even in his mouth it was it was a pretty intense one they hugged it out after the match but uh yeah anyway nothing left on this just wanted to bring that up perfect all right well for jeremiah myself and the guys over at green street hammers thank you for listening come on west ham we'll talk to you guys next week Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.